0: Hello there, this is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Please turn in your Bibles with me this morning to 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12, Amen. And while you are getting ready, I'd like to welcome everybody who is with us, joining us from all over the world once again this morning. You are welcome to HCC, the home of the restored people. There is nothing that the devil can take out of you or put in your path that God cannot remove. And today we know that God's plan will be revealed to you. And God will remove every hindrance, everything blocking your fellowship with him. God will take it out so that you can be all that he wants you to be. 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'll read from verse 1. The Bible says, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing except one little lamb, which he had bought and nourished. And he grew up together with him and with his children. He ate of his own food, drank from his own cup, and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. The traveler came to the rich man. You know, every now and then a traveler comes to us. A traveler comes. A traveler comes. A traveler could come in different forms or shape. And the man said, he refused to take of his own flock. And from his own herd to prepare one from the, wave, the, the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. He said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die. It's interesting how we are able to roll out the law book to others. And he said, He shall restore fourfold for the Lamb because he did this thing because he had no pity. Such a man should die. Verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man, Thus say the Lord of the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house. Your master's wives. Into your keeping. I gave you the house of Israel. And Judah. And if it had not been little in your eyes. I would have given you evil much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You've killed Riah the Hittite with a sword. You've taken his wife to be your wife. And you killed him with the sword of the people of Amnon. Now therefore the sword shall not depart from your house because you've despised me. You've taken the wife of Riah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. You shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. For you did this secretly. But I will do this before all Israel, before the sun. So David said to Nathan, I've sinned against the Lord. Nathan said to David, the Lord has Put away your sin and you shall not die. However, by this deed you have given, please underline this, because by this deed you have given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. Nathan departed to his own house. This morning the title of my exhortation is Saved from Utterly Falling. Can say that to yourself, that I am saved from utterly falling? Somebody might say, saved from falling might be enough. But the reality of the fact is as believers, you can't say that you will not fall. The righteous might fall seven times, it will arise. The danger of Christianity is for us to think that we have got it all together. We are so much up there that nothing can be wrong. So much up there that we are too much. And the real thing about that is we begin to judge others with the measures which we have not judged ourselves. The passage before us occurred about a year after something had occurred in the life of David. Bible makes us to understand In the previous chapter that David did something and these things displeased the Lord. That was the closing verse. It displeased the Lord. Now you know that if you've done something against a friend of yours and it displeases them, they want to tell you. Either they want to react because they are displeased. But the Bible says that David had done what he would do and he had moved on. So now we know that it's about a year. How do we know? Because what David did had produced a seed. A child had been born. And I will imagine David and Bathsheba felt we got away with it. There was never a time that we were told in the scripture that Bathsheba actually, you know, I referred to her husband. We know that her husband died and then after the period of coming out of that morning, David sent for her. And she became his wife. But no other reference. Sometimes, because of the way you and I think, we expect God to move now. In fact, my wife used to say something. Why can't God just do some sample?" like he did in the Bible days. announced and Sapphira, where there was judgment instantly. I said, God is not like you. And if you were to do instant judgment, maybe we'll start with you. Because some things that we think are not issues, because of how God has placed us, to us is an issue before God. God is a God of mercy. He's a God of forgiveness. And the fact that God does not judge immediately does not mean God has forgotten his standard. God gives man opportunity to repent. He gives us time for us to be able to come back onto the place of love where he has placed us. So we see that about a year after, God sent his servant, Nathan, to go to the palace. There was an unusual knock on the door. And Nathan comes in. Nathan tells a story. It's interesting how God speaks to us. God might not mention your name in a message. He might not actually give your postcode. But you will know that this message is about me. And that's the point where God expects his children to respond. But some of us have this way by which we have disconnected ourselves from the reality of engagement with God. The Bible says, Nathan comes into the palace and he starts telling a story about a rich man and a poor man. The rich man had so many flocks. He had access, But that was a poor man. A man who you don't mind. It's not really important. You can ignore him for all you care. All he had is just a little lamb. And he nurtured his lamb. And then a visitor came to the rich man. You know the story we just read. And as soon as David heard the story, The law standard which he had in him rose up. He knew the law. He knew the law said, if a person has done something like that, they must pay four times. So he raised the law. And that reminds me of what we do in the church. We know the law. We know what should not be done, what should be done. We know what a Christian should do. In fact, we know how to honor ourselves. And so when we see something somebody else has done, immediately we judge them. Immediately we say, and they call themselves a leader. They call themselves a Christian. As if we are not Christians too. When we do it, it's okay. When we do it, it's called we need grace. When they do it, it's called they need to be punished. David. Immediately he brought out the law book. That man must die. It's interesting how you want to kill for the death of a lamb. But you don't think you should be killed for the death of a life. David would have gotten away with it but because of the love of God. My friend, we have fallen many times but God will not allow us to stay down. This morning I've come with a word to somebody that no matter how comfortable you think you are sitting right now, no matter how much you have got it together, God loves you too much to leave you in that scene. He loves you too much to make you feel that it's all okay. Because it's not on social media. Because it's not yet blown out. Does not mean God wants to keep you in that position. God wants to save you. Because you are important to God. We may have fallen. But God will not allow us to utterly fall. The Bible said that Nathan said to the king... You are the man. And that takes me to another thing. Even when he found that many times in church, when we found out that we are the man, do you know how we try to hide? We give excuses. We have to find the reason why, no, I know that's what happened, but this is, this is, this is that. We've lost the art of forgiveness, the art of repentance in church. We have lost what it means to say, I was wrong. That's a wrong action. I don't have a basis to have done what I've done. It really shocked me when I talk to Christians, when I look at situations where we just simply say, wrong. Forgive me. Wrong, forgive me. God said, I'm raising the tabernacle of David one more time. And people will know what it means to say sorry. And people will know what it means to say, I am wrong. But no, these days we are too much full of the Holy Ghost. God told me to do it. We are so full of the Holy Ghost in church today that we don't even know what it means to say. Have mercy, oh Lord. This is the cross of my message today. To find the people one more time who can say, Lord, I can't blame this on Satan. I can't blame this on my leader. I can't blame this on my wife or my husband. I am wrong. Forgive me. When last did you find yourself in that moment? When was the last time you went on your knees and said, I am not saying because they did that, that's why I'm doing this? No, it's just on you. This is on you. This is just on me, not on any other person. Not the fruit they gave me, not the wine they gave me, because I drank it. Notice that when God came to Adam, he didn't ask where is Eve. He said, Adam, where are you? He didn't blame Eve because you have to become responsible for your own action. This is the foundation of our story this morning. What David did, according to the law, he should have been killed. He should have got the full blow, full, full weight of the law God forgave him. Why? Why? It's because, my friends, there is nothing God cannot forgive you when there is real repentance. Genuine repentance. There is nothing the blood of Jesus has not taken care of. Nothing. Seeing those two things and I'll come back to them. It separates man from God and it leaves an impact on earth. Leaves an impact between men. Two things he does: separate man from God. Now, is it possible in one year that David had not thought about what he did? This is a man after God's own heart. This is a man full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit didn't come occasionally on him. He was one in the Old Testament that carried the presence of God. Is it possible? A man who knows the word, who preaches the word, who enters into the holy of holies. He carries it within his vein. Is it possible? Of course. You will have to read some scriptures to understand that in that one year, David was just playing the acts. One year, David had lost something. Precious. And I'm saying to you today, you know what you have lost. I know you come to church, I know you sing praises, I know you do whatever you do, but you know what you lost. David said in Psalm 32, when you read verse 3, I think, he said that when I did not confess my sins, he my bones wax old. Can you imagine, in one year, I was feeling old, though I was young. He said the groaning in my heart, look at verse 4, I love verse 4 of that scripture. Show me verse 4. All day long I was groaning I love us 4. He said, for day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. Do you know the way you feel when you know what you know? Nobody else knows it and the word of God is coming and the word of God is coming and you feel they're talking about me. She's talking about me and what is going on? And then he says here, hand was heavy upon me. You know, when the hand is heavy upon you, number one, you should thank God that his hand is not yet removed from you. You should thank God that you have not got to a point where you can no longer hear God. I love this. He says, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Whoa. You know, you expect summer to be blues on me. But I feel that there is no much life in me. I just have to carry on. The acts. Father, deliver us from such a life. It's supposed to be summer, but I feel drought all around me. Unconfessed says that's what he does. So many scriptures David had to tell us the truth of what went down during this period. And that's the thing. God is not afraid of our sins. Is afraid of our righteousness. He's afraid of our too much. We know it. And that's really the thing that gets me. But our friend, that's the thing. That's the reason why God has raised this ministry. That we are not a people who think we got it together. We need God. We need God. It's by his grace we stand. We do not stand to judge no man. No. We do not stand to condemn no man. No. We are all the people who are emblems of his grace. So you see, when you come with your holier-than-thou attitude, you probably will find out that there is no space for that in this place. Because we know that if not for God, where would we be? We would have fallen utterly, but for his grace. What really did David do? Let's try and remind ourselves. For the sake of context. So we have to go back to 2 Samuel chapter 11. The Bible says, and I'm going to have to run through this story. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, the Bible said it happened in spring. It was the spring of the year. Spring. I love spring. Spring speaks of a time of newness. Davidoos are just coming out and the plants in the garden, in the, in the palace grounds are coming out. Things are beginning to blossom. Life is restored onto the, onto the lawns. And you see, it's a time that you feel like, wow, the, the, long, the long winter is gone now. Let's go. It's a time you want to go out. A husband, you know, lovers holding each other's hand and walking the grounds. It was was a time of spring that the the weather was so beautiful in Jerusalem. The sky was clear. The Bible said the kings went to war. But something happened. Something strange happened. This king, David, David the warrior, he did not go to war on this occasion. David stayed back. In fact, on this particular day, he was in bed. The Bible said the kings had gone to battle, but David sent out Joab and his servants. Verse 2. He said, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed. He should be in battle, but he was in bed. He was in the wrong place. He was just lazing around in his bed, his big bed. The Bible said, he turned to the right, turned to the left. And it was a time in his life that God had blessed him. David should have gone out already, but he is at home. He is at home. This was about the midlife time of his life because he'd been king now for many years. It's around 50s, around this time. David, at this point of his life, he really had not, not much issues, he had a, a successful reign. David was rich by this time. He was young still. He was really, really, really in control. He had power. He had fame. He had many wives. David had many children. David had virtually conquered all that he wanted to conquer. He was still in good health. You know there is something that tends to happen to some people and it's not not a law. Some people talk about midlife crisis, and it should not be automatic for you. God didn't plan a midlife crisis as a promise for you. So stop believing the lie. He jumps into some people's head, oh, I now need to climb a mountain I've never climbed. I wish I was when I was a teenager. Then they begin to do, come up with all kinds of ideas that's going to ruin all the years of labor. They do silly things at that point. David found himself at that point. The Bible said, So this evening, he turned to the right, turned to the left. The grounds were full of servants. And David decided that, Well, I'm going upstairs. It was his own roof, he's just going to get some fresh air. The man did nothing wrong in going upstairs to get fresh air. And so he got upstairs. And he looked down there and he saw somebody having their birth outside, a neighbor. Now, ladies, I need your permission here before we come back to this man David. I need your permission to talk about Bathsheba, beautiful Bathsheba, for one minute. Thank you, ladies, for giving me your permission. The Bible didn't say David used the binoculars. No, he didn't. David didn't climb a tree. He was on his rooftop and he looked. And he saw a woman bathing outside. Now, from a simple understanding of either geography or even common sense, if I can see an object in that angle, it means if you put me in that angle, that object can see me. So if David can see her, it means if she looked up, she can see David. Deal? I know you are told me you can't hear me, so you say deal. All right. And the other thing which is clear in the story is that at some point in the life of Bathsheba, her mother must have taught her that... A woman must put certain things in place for safety. Now, I grew up in Africa. And I know about bathroom. Actually, I'll tell you this. Last year, my wife and I went on holiday uh, to the Maldives, And in the apartment uh, that we were given, I don't know what to call it, apartment or that beautiful place, there are different kinds of bathrooms. But the one I loved most was the bathroom that was outside. It reminded me of old. But they designed it in a way that you can bath outside and there's nobody else who can see you. Because it was a so beautiful weather. And they created plants and all that. And you hear some kind of creaking sound and you feel, you oh, know, this is really cool. I loved it. To bath outside. But it was safe. I had to do a lot of convincing for my wife to bath outside. She said, I said, the only thing that can see you is angels. <laughs> this woman was bathing outside. Now you have to remember, her husband has been away for months. And so what I'm talking about is the responsibility on the part of Bathsheba in where she chose to bath and at what time. Because sometimes we forget the fact that she also is culpable in this story. Bathsheba, if you chose to wear revealing clothes and you leave your house, why are you complaining somebody is staring at you? Bathsheba, people will look. Holy people will look. And holy people will look at you because of how you have chosen to dress. Especially you are beautiful. We need to say as it is. Bathsheba decided to reveal her cleavage and hold the union representatives. And you're wondering why people staring? People will stare because you invited them to stare. This in any way does not excuse David. But I'm trying to get to Bathsheba's of our time who feel it does not matter how I dress. It is my life. In another thing about the story. There was nothing, and I need to say this also, nothing about David raping her. Some few authors, they inferred that, but that's not in the story. Because every other thing that happened in the story, you realize, Bathsheba wanted it as well. Bathsheba was very quick to say, finally I got pregnant for the king. (laughs) Hallelujah. Very happy to move in. Very happy to move on. Very happy to produce a child for the throne. Listen to me. Bathsheba knows the location of their staff quarters. And he knows the house of the king is right there. Occasionally she had seen the retinue; She had seen the wealth going in that direction. And she is a little lamb over here. So when a message came, the king wants you. Ah, Bathsheba went to the king. Okay. David, a man of God. Should have known a lot better. David, Bible said, David looked. David stopped. He glanced. What was that? He glanced again. What was that? Then he sat down. Give me a chair. David glanced to a point where his passion took over his life. He lost it. He looked. He lost it. Then he desired her. Friends, at that point, David did something that was quite shocking. Then he called one of the guards. Hey, you, come, 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 come. That woman over there, who is she? David said, that woman over there, while he was looking, ah. The answer that the guard gave actually should tell us something about the moment. The guard said, sir, is that not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now, listen to me. It's never a time in the scriptures that anybody is described like that. The scriptures will tell us that is the son of Eliam. End of story. And they will tell you that the granddaughter of Eliam, whatever. But it doesn't tell you the, the parent side and tell you the spouse. There is a reason that God gave David a coded answer. Now, why? Because the gods of David, they knew their master. They knew our master is terrible with women. Friends, when you see a fall of a leader, it doesn't just happen. Like, Bible tells us that David, you killed Uriah with the sword of the Ammon. You see, it was not his direct sword that killed him. So, if you want to get to who killed Uriah, we have a long list of people to repent. David was not there himself. There were people who went through. Okay. So this servant said, sir, please don't go there. That's the wife of your David didn't want to care anymore. At this point, he's looking. He didn't even hear what the guy said. Are you stupid? That woman, is a woman, not a wife of anybody right now. And I want her. The guard went... And brought her to him. Friends, you know what happened. So, the moment they slept, the Bible said after some time she went back home. You see, this is the point. Bathsheba went back home as if nothing had happened, except that so many things had gone wrong. So many things have gone wrong. A chain reaction has set in place. Because a few weeks after, the king got a message to the examination that he wrote. She said, I'm pregnant. Now, this is the point, my dear friends, where God help you, God help me. This is the point where we should know that God is bigger than our seeds. This is point where David should have called upon God. What have I done? What kind of mess have I got myself into? David didn't call on God. David went into, mm, 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 what do I do? Now, oh, we can cover this up. So, David invited Uriah. I wanted to do something this morning, but I didn't have enough time to think of it. So, I want you to imagine this. So, David invited Uriah, and Uriah came. He sent a message to Joab. He said, send Uriah to me. So, Joab sent Uriah. Now, that's strange. Uriah arrived. The king said, sit down, sit down. (laughs) Uriah sat down, shaking in his chair. You understand? This guy was nothing near the level of the kind of person that should sit in the king's presence. So he sat down. Yes, sir. How is the battle? Oh, everything is going well, sir. Very well, sir. How is Joab? The welfare of the people. Everybody doing well. We are winning, sir. Everything is going very well, sir. Okay, Come on, go ahead, have some drink, have some drink. Me, sir? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, sir. Mm, He drank. Okay, Uriah, you know what? It's getting late. Why don't you go home? And then I'll see you later. Really? Yeah, yeah, go go home. So Uriah left the king. And here is where died. is more righteous than a Jewish king. Uriah left the presence of the king and he left... And he sat at the gate. Why? Because my Lord Joab and the ark of God was in the battle. Who am I to go home and sleep with my wife? That was his reason. So he sat at the gate with his colleagues, the servants, and he slept overnight. Now watch this. The king did not know that. The people who were part of the joint effort told the king, sir, The plan did not work. Eh, what happened? The guy didn't go home, sir. Remember, Bathsheba didn't come to tell the king I was pregnant. She sent a message to the king. So there were people who knew what's going on. King said, it didn't work. Call him for me, call him for me. Uriah, what did I hear? Sir, you didn't go home? Yeah, no, sir. Why not? Sir, I couldn't do it, sir. I couldn't go go home to, to my wife, sir. When my lord... Saying that to the commander-in-chief. Should he not know better? No, sir. I, I, I couldn't go home, sir. Eh. Hey, Alright, stay, stay, stay today. When it was evening time, this is what I wanted to do for you. The king prepared the table for God's sake. He prepared dinner table and he said, sit down. So I want to imagine the table king on that side with his robe, It is his power. Uriah? One of the reasons why I didn't do this. I didn't, I didn't know who to choose as Uriah. That's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do this. I thought of it very well. The table wasn't the problem. The dinner wasn't the problem. But I was thinking, hmm, I don't know any of my guys who want to be Uriah here. So, Uriah sat on this side of the table. This big table. The king said, drink. The Bible said, he kept on asking him to drink. Until this guy he got drunk. Hi, Now, I ask you, where was the Holy Spirit in all this process? Of course, he was there. He was there. We're taking the, the grace, the patience of the Holy Spirit to be that it, it doesn't matter anymore. At this point, my dear friends, David was not the king. David now has lost his identity when sin takes over. The identity is gone. It is now a man with lust. It's a man with lust. A man who is full of passion. Or a woman for that matter. The Bible said, he said, okay now, the king felt tonight he's got to get his way home. So they now dragged Uriah. Uriah go home now and he was going home and singing the Jewish anthem and the song that the soldiers would sing when they were at the battlefront, and he got to the gate again. He sat. You see, it is what is inside you before the wine came that you will do when the wine fills you up. If there was no fear of God on the inside, it's easy, my dear friend. Coronavirus has not done anything new. It's inside what is inside each one of us that is playing out at this time. If you love God to come to church, coronavirus won't stop you because you are at home, you are coming to church. And a person who had no desire to worship, he would say, there's coronavirus, I am shielding, I'm in my bed. You see that? Oh, they said, that, there's coronavirus, we can't do anything, it's because you never wanted to do anything. We can't do anything, really, but not stop you from doing other things except to worship God. Now wine has entered. But know what has not left him? The fear of God. May the fear of the Lord sustain you and I. May he sustain us in the moments of our weakness. In the name of Jesus, the flesh may cry out, do it, do it, do it. You know something about sin? When Satan comes knocking on the door, he will show us the picture of the phone, the ecstasy. He will show the picture of how you're going to love this. But one thing he will not show... He will not show us the repercussions. He will not show us the ripped apart families. He will not show us the career that is going down. It will not show the fact that you have to just take resignation. He will not show you the years of labor that is going down the drain. No. He will only show you the moments of joy. The thing about Satan, he is calculating the fact that if I can only front load the joy, you don't need to look at the end of it. May God save you. May God save us from utterly falling. The Bible says Uriah sat at the gate. It was at that point the king realized, I've tried. I've tried, the what I can do, it didn't work. I've tried to, to save him, but the guy has proven so tough. So the first password letter bomb was conceived. The king wrote a letter bomb and gave it to Uriah. His own death sentence. He said, take this letter to your master, Joab. When Joab got the letter, friends, now you have to realize the kind of person Joab was. He was a soldier to the core and lawyer. Joab he could imagine what this letter meant. He also knows that David was a master fighter, warrior himself. And the letter clearly stated: Organize that soldiers should move close to the, to the hottest part of the battle. And when it is hot, withdraw the strong men from Uriah. He knew that that was clearly a death sentence, he didn't question it. So he gathered some trusted people again. Right? You guys are going to hit Ammon. And you move close to the gates. And when it gets really hot, withdraw. Leave Uriah in front. You know they didn't question him too. How many people more has really killed Uriah? Because if the strong men did not withdraw from Uriah, he would still be alive. The Bible says that's exactly what happened. And as soon as he died, A message was sent to the king. Well, this is what happened. So many people died. But Uriah the Hittite died also. When the message got to the king, the king said, All right, okay, God will comfort you. And that was it. So news was sent to Bathsheba. She mourned for her husband for a few days. And the king did what he loves doing most. He gathered the wife of another man. He did that before. We ran into that a few days ago. When he got Abigail. That's when you would think God should have stepped in. God did not. Our sins may not be the same but sin is sin. What you've done another person may not have done it but before God our lack of transparency before our God is sin. Are uh, taking God for granted its sin. And this allows an occasion for the enemies of God to begin to jubilate. What really pained God in all this is your action gave an occasion for the enemies of God. Nothing you've done that God cannot forgive. There is nothing, absolutely nothing. I know it sounds weird, but there is nothing that God has not even forgiven. Even before you ask, isn't it interesting? When Nathan told the story that to David, the same moment, Nathan said to David, he said, God has forgiven you. Wow. He didn't even pay no, no, nothing. He didn't he, didn't do, he said, God has forgiven you. But here is the consequences. There are consequences to sin, friends. The Bible says David repented. That's where I want to stop this morning. The repentance of David was instant. The repentance of David was absolute. One of the Psalms that he wrote in Psalm 51, and I want to focus on that for some time. In Psalm 51, David made it clear to us how he really felt. Is that your prayer this morning? He said, have mercy on me, O God. According to your loving kindness. May the Lord have mercy on you. May he have mercy on me. May he have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon our land. Have mercy according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Lord, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. Friends, is that your prayer testimony? Are you saying to God, Lord, cleanse me? Are you saying to God, Lord, wash me? I don't deserve any of your blessings, but Lord, I ask you, wash me, oh God. Which one of us would take a cup that is dirty and begin to use it to drink? David realized that all this why I've just been playing up the act. I'm caught. I've not been happy playing it anyway. Lord, have mercy on me. I acknowledge my transgressions. My sins are always before me. Look at that. David, by this sentence, tells us, he's not that I forgot about Uriah. Every time I've given an offering... Every time I've knelt down to pray, every time I've raised my hands in prayer, I've remembered the moment where I soiled my hand. I've remembered the moment where I missed the road. I've remembered the moment where I thought I got away with it, but Lord, have mercy on me. As I'm talking to you this morning, I need you to get into this story. Begin to ask God, forgive me, Lord. Every one of us need to think about what you thought you got away with. So, Lord, have mercy Watch me against you, O Lord. I have sinned. I've done these evil things in your sight. Uriah has gone. That moment has gone. That thing has gone. But you, O Lord, you have not gone. It's you that have sinned. I have missed the mark. You know it. You say, Lord, I've done this evil thing in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak. Blameless when you judge. Blameless when you judge. There's nothing you do, oh God, that I can question it. You are a merciful God. Lord, this morning, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over us. He says in verse 5, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. It's one of the scriptures that makes people to think, or to say, that David must have been conceived out of wedlock. That that's why we didn't know anything about his mother, which is unusual. There's hardly any king in the Bible you don't know about their mother except David. We don't know what happened in that area. Verse 6 Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. You desire truth in the inward parts. And in, in the hidden parts, you have made me to know wisdom. You desire truth in the inward path. Friends, this verse is enough to save you and I. If you understand that God is not just about we are doing the right things. What about the right thing inside? The one that nobody can see. He said you desire truth in the inward path. You can put up any appearance. Paint any picture you want to paint. You can argue as much as you can because you're so good at talking. But what is on the inside of you? Verse 7 said, Punch me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me. I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear, the, hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. In other words, God, all these years, all these, all these months, I have just been carried on. There is really no joy anymore in me. I smile, but there is no joy. I worship, but there is no truth. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart. Oh God, renew steadfast spirit within me. May the Lord renew the steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast me away from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit from me. This is an Old Testament king speaking. Don't throw me away. He didn't say don't take the crown away. He didn't say, don't take my position away. He didn't say, Lord, you know, he said, God, he said, when Saul found himself in this moment, this is the difference, my friends. When God told Saul, you have missed the mark, Saul was more of, let's cover the show. Now you can see the difference, another difference between David and Saul.
1: But I'm not interested
0: in what men are saying. I'm interested in what you are saying. Forgive me, Lord. Lord, have mercy on me. Do not cast me away from your presence. If I have your presence, I know I have judgment. I know I have peace. Don't take your holy spirit from me. How did he know about the holy spirit? He has not yet been given. The spirit was promised in the New Testament. But here was a man who walked ahead of his days. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Pour me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your way. Sinners will be converted to you. Friends, you have no story. We have no gospel. If we cannot tell the sinner, I have done that too. I have sat in your seat. I was forgiven too. I have missed the mark at one point too. I have not always been what you see today. I have not come to judge you. I have come to say to you, you're my brother. I've come to say to you that the the spirit that saved me, the grace that saved me can save you too. Then I can teach transgressors your way. You have nothing to teach if you have nothing to share. No story, no testimonies, no experiences. How has he forgiven you? How much did you fall? Listen, it's not for you to make up a story. It's not if you are gonna be honest with yourself enough, you will know how God saved you. Many of us, the things we don't think it's a sin, is an abomination before God. Yes, you may not have slept with anybody outside wedlock. Yet you may not have killed anybody. But do you know how many times your action has killed the joy, has killed the spirit, has killed the, 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 the desire in the heart of many people to serve God because of you. It says teachers will be will be will be judged harder. And teach transgressors your way. And I close with this. Deliver me from the blood. From the guilt of bloodshed. Oh God. Oh God of my salvation. My tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. My prayer for you and I is that our tongue will sing. A song aloud. A song of righteousness. We'll sing out in praises. will sing out rejoicing. We sing out, knowing we are forgiven. Knowing fully well that he has cleared the account and there is no guilt in us. No guilt. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus four four. 208 597 310 or you visit our website www.hccenter.org.uk May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again.